0: When a deranged man, Millard Findelmeyer, opens fire in a diner, he kills everyone except Sarah Lee. After Sarah's testimony sends Millard to the electric chair, his ashes are given to his mother. In a vow of revenge, Millard's mother mixes the ashes with a secret gingerbread cookie mix, which makes its way into Sarah's bakery. When one of the bakery employees accidentally bleeds into the mixture, an old curse spawns a deadly 12-inch walking, talking, killing gingerbread cookie that wreaks havoc on anything standing in its way.
1: I'm Corey, And I'm Paul. And we are... The B-Movie Bros. Here review B-Movies to the best of our ability.
0: Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. So, we're back. Slasher month. Great concept of a slasher. Talking, walking, slashing, ginger dead man. From 2005.
1: Because why the hell not?
0: Let's take a look at it. You heard what the back of the DVD box had to say. Let's dive right into the shit with our technical difficulties top and bottom three. Let's start with the top. All right, then. So, to me, number three, uh, there are a lot of cooking and baking puns in the film, and all the names of the characters are actually baking puns in and of themselves, like Sarah Lee, Lorna Dean, Jimmy Dean. You know, it's kind of fun. Number two, Gary Busey is just crazy enough to make the Ginger Dead Man character himself actually work and be a believable killer, even if it is a giant thing of rubbery, you know, latex.
1: I, I can't imagine them getting anybody who'd play it better. Even Jack Nicholson, I don't think, could have done this role as well as Gary Busey.
0: And number one, the actual concept of the movie of a killer gingerbread man running around killing people for no good reason just because, you know, he's an animate gingerbread man. It's actually kind of fun. And really, I had high expectations because you can just take it in so many directions.
1: It's basically the plot of Child's Play, except for the gingerbread man.
0: Yes, very much so.
1: All right, number three. Sarah's mother, Betty, was an awesome character and far better than any of the other non-Gary Busey characters. She's introduced by firing a shotgun at the sign of a rival bakery across the street while drinking whiskey straight from the bottle. That, that's a pretty badass way to be introduced to a movie. Number two. Gary Busey always does a fine job at playing a crazy guy, either in real life or in films, and this is no exception. I thought he'd, he played Millard, Filledmore really well, and by extension, the ginger dead man, and honestly, I can't imagine anyone else playing a killer gingerbread man. And number one, the practical effects involving the living gingerbread man were done by Charles Band, who's best known for his uh, Puppet Master series, and he did a good job with this one. There wasn't as much as, like, Puppet Master or anything like that, but for what there was with the movement of the character, I thought he did a really good job as usual. Well, I guess it's time for the
0: bottom. What was bad
1: about this movie? For me,
0: number three. This movie isn't very gory or, you know, have a lot of violence. As a matter of fact, I thought it was R-rated, but now looking, I see that it's not rated, and Aside from a few uses of some foul language, it probably could have easily been a PG-13 movie. Number two, this movie has a very low body count for a slasher film. Six, to be exact. Three of which happened before Gary Busey is turned into the ginger-dead man. That's very, very disappointing.
1: I think this might be the lowest so far.
0: It is indeed. And number one, this movie is extremely slow-paced. It's only 70 minutes long, but it feels much longer. And being a slasher where there's only six deaths and three of those deaths happen within the first five minutes, yeah, pacing is all sorts of off.
1: Number three. I really didn't care too much about any of the characters other than Gingerbread, Gary Busey, and Betty. There was some contrived love triangle between Amos, Sarah, and Lorna. I think Brick was involved somehow, Either way, they were all pretty lame overall. I know they were all essentially just plot devices to move the story along, but they could have either done more with them or just or used them for more comedic purposes. Instead, they were just kind of typical slasher victims. It just seemed like a really missed opportunity. Number two, Sarah's family bakery is going to be run out of business by a big chain bakery. And I know I'm supposed to feel sorry for them, especially since her brother and father were murdered and the guy trying to take her over the business is a complete asshole, but their bakery totally deserved to be shut down. When the character Brick accidentally cuts his finger and his blood mixes with a flower that just so happens to contain the ashes of a recently executed serial killer, I lose a lot of sympathy for them. That is incredibly unsanitary. That is a huge health code violation. and that's worse than just than having rats running around your kitchen. You just ask hepatitis or AIDS or something like that. that that's fucked up. Like you, you should you should lose your bakery at that point. No sympathy. And number one. Consider the following scenario. Your mom was just put into a giant walk-in oven by a psychopathic killer, Gingerbread Man, hell-bent on killing everyone in the bakery. So why the fuck would you have the only two people in the room go inside the oven to save her? It couldn't have been more obvious that it was a trap if the Gingerbread Man had actually put a sign saying, warning, this is a trap, don't be a fucking idiot. Yet both Sarah and Amos go into it together. However, it gets even dumber because the ginger dead man apparently forgot about the trap and let them escape. But then he pushed Sarah back into the fucking oven and knocked Amos out, but only partially because then he gets up two seconds later, shoots the hinges off the fucking oven, and then passes out again. So not only was this an incredibly obvious trap, which Sarah and Amos idiotically fell for and totally deserved to die for that, but baked Gary Busey, managed to fuck it up somehow. Everyone in this movie was a fucking moron. One of the things we didn't mention was the dialogue, so let's have ourselves a good
0: old-fashioned quote war.
1: Quote war.
0: So we'll quote this movie back and forth. You tell us who had the better quotes. No, I guess I'll get us started with, I smell something in the air. Smells feminine.
1: Ever try a ladyfinger? Give me some sugar, baby. You really should stop drinking, you lush. Eat me, you punk bitch. Got milk? It sure ain't the Pillsbury fucking dough, boy. Maybe it's that fucking Keebler elf.
0: And that ends this episode of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this movie or anything you'd like to say, leave it in the comments below. It's time for us to give our final take on this film. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scales are a reverse scale. 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it a 5 out of 10.
1: I also gave it a 5 out of 10.
0: So, the Ginger Dead Man is a film in the vein of child's play. A serial killer is reincarnated in the body of a seemingly harmless object. In this case, it's a one-foot-tall gingerbread man cookie. The movie starts out with a bang, literally, and then grinds to a screeching halt for a good while. Once Gary Busey is brought back to life, he is fantastic at taunting, but not actually killing his prey. The film has decent special effects and okay acting, but I was sorely disappointed that they couldn't cook up some better ways to kill off the characters. The movie really isn't very good, but managed to spawn a few sequels. It's a curiosity how this series wasn't canned after the first film.
1: Ginger Dead Man is the story of a very determined serial killer who, even in death, never gives up on his dream of getting revenge on the woman responsible for his execution. Played by the great Gary Busey, Millard Findelmeyer defies all odds, possessing the body of a gingerbread man, continuing his goal to shut down a bakery, guilty of some really egregious health code violations. Throughout his journey, Millard encounters a series of obnoxious, cliche villains who attempt to thwart his efforts and inhibit him from completing his righteous mission. After a well-fought and honorable battle, our brave hero ultimately met his end at the hand of his brainless idiots, leaving his quest incomplete. It's a tragic story, part with stories such as Hamlet and Oedipus Rex. If only the heroic Cookie Man had closed the fucking oven door when he had the chance, or taken the gun away from his enemies, the story could have had a much better ending. This film is a lesson to all aspiring supernatural psychopaths to never miss an opportunity to strike your enemies, and to always remain vigilant. However, Legends never truly die, as Millard Findelmeyer will once again rise like a phoenix to continue his quest for greatness in the sequel, Ginger Dead Man 2, The Passion of the Crust. It's time to drink away the flick.
0: Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. boom. We'll give you some drinking games for this film, friends. But remember, drink responsibly. Number one. Every time there's a cooking pun, take a drink. Number two. Every time someone shoots a gun... Take a drink. Number three, whenever Lauren is a bitch for no reason, take a drink. Number three, anytime the ginger dead man taunts something, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's slasher month, anytime someone gets slashed, take a drink.
1: Every time Millard mentions his mother, take a drink. Every time someone talks about Sarah's father and brother being murdered, take a drink. Every time someone is put into an oven, take a drink. And every time Betty is drunk, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away the stick. If you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else B-Movie related, you can leave us a comment on either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoviebros at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com at bmoviebros.com. Follow us on Twitter at BMovieBros or my personal Twitter at BMoviePaul. You can check out all our other content, including reviews, interviews, and chats on our website, bmoviebros.com, where we review news shows each week. If you want to support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links provided below.
0: So we've come to the end of week four here in Slasher Month. Let's uh, rank the films real quick. Uh, for me, in the number four spot has to be The Ginger Dead Man. It had the lowest kill count and moved the slowest out of all three. And. Three of the kills weren't even in slasher form. They were by the slasher before he was killed initially.
1: But all by Gary B.C.
0: Number three, Friday the 13th, part two, with nine kills. One was in a flashback, and it just, you know, was pretty slow and, you know, gave away a lot of its potential when kids went to a bar instead of staying back at camp to have sex.
1: He also didn't have his hockey mask or machete.
0: Number two, the Tripper. Even though it has a fantastic kill count at 25, it's just your typical slasher fare. You know, just axing people to death. Number one, Drive through With a modest 14 kills, some of them clever, some of them a little bit original, being stuck in a microwave, flash-fried in a deep fryer, but Horny the Clown and the subtle self-awareness
1: of the movie makes it the best of the bunch so far. Mine's uh, pretty much the same. Number four, Ginger Dead Man. I was not sure what I was expecting, but somehow I was still disappointed. Number three, Friday the thirteenth, part two. It was good. It definitely set some of the standards for later slashers, but I don't think it particularly aged well. Wasn't bad, but you know, not as good as the other ones, which, going to number two, the tripper. I mean, you got Ronald Reagan killing hippies. What more can you ask for? Except for number one, which is Drive through which is a really good slasher parody, which was funny from beginning to end. I really enjoyed that one. It was clever. It was entertaining. And Horn of the Clown was one badass clown slasher.
0: So next week, we're going to delve into
1: what makes a slasher a slasher,
0: the 2006 film Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Varn. It's
1: a free lesson in how to be a slasher.
0: So until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, be back for more.